And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Welcome back to the Walking Dead Wednesday. This is Walking Dead Wednesday, God, number four, I think. Yeah. And uh, today is a, it's going to be a little different because it is just myself, Chris Honeywell, Mr. Sean Engel. Hello. And Michael Bailey. Hello. And no Scott Gardner this time. I'm, I'm very sad. Scott Gardner is currently so exhausted from doing his his insanely insanely good and long labor intensive titanic yeah podcast literally literally titanic podcast this month that he has taken the weekend off to and he is now languishing in the warm florida sun with his wife and kids fanning him off as he sits in a lounge chair sipping probably Probably a big gulp or some sort of caffeinated Look, drink uh, in a two-liter bottle. I, I, I've met Scott's wife once. <laughs> I don't um, think she's fanning him off. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I, she she didn't strike me as the she she struck me as the him asking her to get him something and her saying get it your damn self. Uh huh. <laughs> Not the subservient type. And basically, ba- Scott has to con one of the kids into getting him like the uh the whatever mixed drink he's having at the time so yeah i yeah yeah i mean i i've always put the words scott gardner wife and long suffering (laughs) together (laughs) when i in my mind whenever scott gardner and his long suffering wife (laughs) pay his patient 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 wife but yeah but he's yeah he's and God, I would be too if I I, I uh, downloaded his his uh, podcast because it was one of those like secret boiler room projects of his where, you know, all of a sudden you know he's working on a secret project and there it is and I'm listening to it and I was 40 minutes in when I realized this sucker is like two hours and 20 minutes long, and just chock full of information. Of of all the solo work he's done, it's the best. It, it, it's the most personal it's it really you know he, he he says in the episode he didn't want to you know bog the audience down with facts and figures he just wanted to talk about what it meant to him and he did it in such an entertaining way that i it, it, i had to sit there and think about the fact that he was talking about him mm-hmm. you know it, so it, i i'm i will probably listen to it again I agree with it being one of his most personal ones. I mean, it it to me is the most personal one, probably second to his uh, his Fourth of July one he did uh, a few years back. Oh, but the Fourth yeah. of July one was was basically a bunch of musical interludes as well. So it was him, you know, basically describing the way he felt about the subject, but it was also interspersed with a lot more. Uh, music that you could basically listen to when you go to a fireworks show or anything. The Titanic one was definitely, you know, it's two hours personal. and twenty minutes of yeah, talking. Him, yeah, him talking. It was great. And that, and yeah, and usually that could be that's that could be really dangerous. And and you know, I mean, I I I do. I think the only one I do alone is the Media Masochist, and it's so hard when you're just talking to yourself in a room. To make it yes. sound like you're actually having a real conversation. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing about this podcast is it sounds conversational. It sounds like he's having a conversation with you through the the whole thing. It's not mm-hmm. overly melodramatic, but it's not dry either at all. And it, it, it just works really good. Plug in that Demanza Corp product. Well, we have to. Because I, I keep getting the letters from the lawyers. Oh, I know. And, they're, and, and again, I wish... I wish Dufo would not have his messengers be underage Italian girls that are in the country illegally that then show you their breasts 
because my wife doesn't appreciate that. Just tell her it's a cultural it's a cultural difference. Say what what, what do you want to be culturally intolerant? Yeah, and then she <laughs> I, I tried that a couple of times and <laughs> It didn't go well, so let's just leave it at that. It turns into <laughs> I'll, I'll show you show you cultural intolerance. <laughs> I'll culturally intolerant your crotch. <laughs> yeah, what can you do about Dufo? You know, I mean, he's he's got well. His English is what seventh language, <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> I mean, that's what that's what I like about him, though. I like the people who just massacre. <laughs> I love I mean, the massacre. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not quite as bad as, as like the dude from Johnny Dangerously. You Fargan assholes. Yeah. You violated my Fargan rights. This summon botching country was founded. <laughs> so, Wait. what what am I saying? It's not the accent it's, that I like. It's the it's the small amount of money that we're able to eke out of him. The the, the few lira. It's all euros these yeah. days. Yeah. So. Yeah, and boy, thank God the Euro is doing so well. Oh, wait. I, <laughs> I just use them as paperweights. That's all. <laughs> all these Euro coins. It just. No, really. Let's mail. take this large continent and put it all on the same currency. That'll end well. <laughs> let's do a little thought experiment here. All right. Anyway, The Walking Dead. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Uh, there, there is a lesson to this issue, uh, and I will reveal that when we get through Ooh. the synopsis and everything. And it's, it's an important lesson, and it's, and it's a theme that's actually run through the book for, uh -huh. for, for the past like ten or fifteen issues, but it really came alive in this one. So, well, this time for the first time on the show, we got. We got Sean Engel is taking the responsibility of doing the synopsis, Yay. so you don't get to hear the 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 well well thought out. Well, I'm I'm not saying I don't know what yours is going to be. You you don't get to hear the well thought out Scott Gardner, Michael Bailey, or the rambling drug dulcet tones. Of yeah, Chris the rambling drug faltering <laughs> facial tick synopsis of Chris Honeywell. We get a brand new meat on the show well i figured since you guys actually were willing to let me come on the show and talk about this you know i might as well pull my weight and you know do some synopsis so i can actually feel like i'm getting something done here rather yeah, than just because god knows you're gonna sundown. buy the pizza so well know. you know how hard it is to deliver you know fresh pizza from oklahoma to georgia and new york within you know a decent amount of time i can't i can't be bothered to do that i saw it in, I saw it in iron man it can be done uh, well, uh, unfortunately, I don't have Stark level amounts of money. If I had a dime for every time I've heard happened in Iron Man, <laughs> I'd be a rich man. Okay, Walking Dead. Let's let's get to the synopsis. Uh, we've got issue forty-one, and obviously the creator and everyone is the same as it has been. Kirkman's creator, writer, penciler, inker, cover was Charlie Adler. The gray tones and cover colors was Cliff Rathburn, and the letterer was Russ Wooten. So, the story opens up with Stumpy and Lefty, read that, Dale and Rick, watching the group work on target practice. Isn't that a Willie Nelson song? I think so. <clears throat> Rick notices Dale's concerned over the quote-unquote friendliness going on between Andrea and Tyrese, and says that Andrea adores him, and Dale, or sorry, that Rick says Andrea adores him, and that he has nothing to worry about. Dale, of course, retorts with, right, because I'm so young and virile. And I mean, Tyrese is black. I mean, he's probably got a huge meat stick downstairs that dwarfs my stump. I mean, how the hell can I compete with the obvious Mandigo over there? And you know, white women go crazy over black. Oh, wait. I was probably reading too much into that scene. Anyhow, so Rick dismisses right Dale's suspicions and calls the shooting practice to a close. In the next scene, we get Rick entering the cell, where Lori has just finished feeding the baby, baby Judith. Lori tells Rick that Carl is over playing by, playing by himself next door, something that he hasn't done in a long time. Lori also mentions that, he's, that she had breakfast and talked with Carol this morning, and it seemed like old times. Rick mentions that they should overlook the weirdness that happened between Lori and Carol, because in this new world, 
everything is different. Rick then asks how Judith is doing, and Laurie replies that she is perfect, which is obviously going to mean bad things because nothing should be perfect in this world. Uh, yeah, that's always a <clears throat> bad sign. Yeah. Out in the mess hall, Andrea and Dale are trying some stew that was prepared with tomatoes from Herschel's garden, and there's an awkwardness to the conversation. And when Andrea calls Dale on the awkwardness, Dale looks away and says that nothing is wrong. Then we cut to Glenn and Maggie, laying post-coital in their cell with the uh, box containing the crib in the background. Maggie mentions that people are starting to talk, and Glenn thinks that it's about them having hot monkey sex, but Maggie says it's more about them having a baby. Certain that he's been careful, aka he's been pulling out at the last second, skeeting all over Maggie's chest, Glenn balks at the thought of bringing a child into this world. Maggie counters with the statement that they are all safe here, and why should she be denied ever having a family? Glenn shakes his head and says that he just doesn't know. Meanwhile, Andrea is approached by Alice, the doctor who delivered Judith, in the prison hallway. Andrea comments on how she had modified a prison jumpsuit and some shorts and says that she, if she could find some time away from training people to defend the place, she'd probably do some creative sewing as well. Andrea thanks her for the compliment, but moves the discussion to Andrea taking the better shooters out to practice on roamers. You see, it seems that Alice has a little favor to ask of Andrea. Then we cut to Andrea, Glenn, Herschel, Maggie, Billy, and Axel outside the present vents, looking to thin out the increasing number of Walking Dead. After a pep talk from Andrea, some and some Sath's mouth from Maggie, the group begins picking off walkers. Herschel calms Andrea by telling her that his kids know what they're doing. Let's see, the group then starts to shoot the undead, and Maggie curses about how goddamn creepy the walkers are, to which her dad asks her to keep the cursing down and not take the Lord's name in vain. Maggie retorts with the notion that Herschel's Bible thought Megan's misguided in a world like this. Herschel then counters with the idea that this could actually fall into the realm of scripture i.e. the dead rising, the seven years of tribulation, etc. And his face, faith has never been stronger. Maggie rolls her eyes and the group begins shooting again. But just as a female walker is approaching the group, Andrea quickly stops Maggie from dispatching her. We then cut to a furious Rick, wondering what the hell the people were thinking. Claiming that what they're doing is crazy, Rick storms away from Glenn to confront the rest of the group. As he's walking out, he runs into Alice, who says, who asks if they could talk. Rick asks what she was thinking, and what she did could only turn out to be trouble. Alice says that Tyrese okayed it, to which Rick counters that Tyrese was wrong. Pulling his gun, Rick heads into the courtyard, intent on in putting a bullet to the brain of a female walker that the group has captured and tied up. Alice runs between Rick and the walker, claiming that they had that there is so much that they can learn from the captive corpse. As the zombie lunges at Alex, Alice, just missing her, Rick says the only thing that they need to know about the walkers is how dangerous they are. Alice again pleads her case, saying that they can learn so much from studying the walker. Maybe easier ways to kill them, ways to keep the bitten from turning, and maybe even ways to turn the walkers back. Reluctantly, Rick allows them to keep the zombie, provided they move it to a safer place. Then later on, Lori and Carol are having a picnic lunch, with Carl and Sophia playing nearby. The two discuss Carol's former husband, the prospect of good people living outside the prison, how Carol is a good person, and doesn't need to throw herself on the next man she comes across. As Lori tells Carol how much of a good friend she is to her, Carol bluntly asks if Lori would take care of Sophia if anything happened to her. Wondering what orifice Carol is pulling this notion out of, Lori tells her to not even think about it. But Carol's insistent. Lori promises that she would raise Sophia like her own, and Carol quickly changes the conversation tonight's, to tonight's entertainment plans. Lori mentions that Ghostbusters is on the queue to watch, but she thinks it might be too scary for Carl. Yes, Carl, who just recently shot Shane in the head. <clears throat> Carol replies that Lori is crazy. 
ironic, and ask if Lori can watch Sophia for a while, as she's going to find a man to throw herself on. Lori says that's very funny, and Carol walks away, turning to tell Lori thanks. We cut to Glenn and Dale in the hallway, both headed into the courtyard to watch folks playing basketball. Glenn approaches Dale and hands him the hat that he lost during his encounter with the lurker a couple of issues back. Dale's thankful for Glenn finding his hat, but feeling sorry for his predicament, him losing a leg and all, he asks if Glenn could put the hat on his head. Meanwhile, a shadowy figure is entering Billy's cell. Billy turns around to see Carol slinking up to him, asking how old he is. Saying that he'll be 19 in three weeks, Carol whispers and says that he knows what bo- she knows what boys were like at that age, as she cups her hand over the crotch of his jeans, easing him back into the bunk as she begins to back that ass up. Dear Walking Dead, <laughs> I've always read your comic book. <laughs> <laughs> I never... I never... <laughs> I never thought it happened to me before. (laughs) (laughs) I was surrounded by zombies when I found this one woman with a huge. um, Oh, a little bit older, but (laughs) back to the synopsis. (laughs) In the courtyard, a dramatic anime fight is going on. Oh wait, no, it's just a stylized shot of Andre and Tyrese playing basketball, while Dale is still being sulky McSulkenstein over his perceived deficiencies cut to a figure of a lone woman walking slowly into the courtyard where the zombie is tied up. Tyrese turns to see what's going on as Carol walks up to the chained cadaver. She tells the zombie that she probably won't like it here, that the people here are good but far too judgmental, saying that everyone has lost respect for her after she tried to kill herself. The zombie reaches out toward her. Carol thinks since everyone thinks she's crazy, she will just start talking to up start talking to the chain zombie. As she moves closer, Carol introduces herself and hopes that, like good friends do, they won't judge each other and that she will learn to like her. And as the zombie lunges forward, tearing into her victim's neck, Carol wheezes. Oh good. You do like me. And that is an incredibly Dense issue 41 of The Walking Dead. Excellent synopsis. Thank you. <laughs> you, you cannot believe... I like the porn parts. Well, you're welcome. You know, you can add the typical, you know, porn I music think I that. might from now on. I think awesome. I might start adding porno parts into my synopses now <laughs> from now on. I, I, I like that. Yeah, this one... You know, Carol's a little crazy. Yeah, uh, just a wee well, bit. And, and, and there is the theme I was talking about. The theme of this issue is that Carol is, the clinical term is bat shit crazy. <laughs> oh, yes. yeah. And it's something bat. we've seen again and again over like the past 10, 15 issues. But just here and there, not concentrated like this. Yeah, it's <laughs> concentrated Carol. crazy. <laughs> this is Carol just over the edge. I mean, the the final panel before uh, the last page, the last splash, that look of Carol, that is a creepy look. If I saw that on a first on a person's face, I would back slowly away. Because yeah, it's like, it's whoa, just, yeah. Just, <laughs> you're going to hurt me in some way, shape, or form that I'm not going to want to. I don't care how good the sex is about to be. I don't need to be part of this right now. Yeah. I mean, I so, guess she's in that sort of fugue state that people who are suicidal get before they just, you know, before they do it, where they're like, okay, you know, I mean, when it all adds up at the end, it's like, okay, she made sure that her kid was taken care of. And... Well, yeah, she was basically doing what a lot of people do right before they kill themselves. Yes. Uh, is it, just, you know, she got her affairs in order, and then it's time to take care of whatever she feels she needs to take care of. Mm-hmm. But I, I gotta say, of ways to kill yourself, that's like sawing an arm or a leg off or something like that. But it's he, oh yeah, yeah. I was it's, thinking about that because you know she she basically lets this thing gnaw her to death, right? Yeah. And I'm like, you know, there's a lot of ways I could go, but if I was really gonna do it, I'd probably want to bleed to death or well, something. Well, that's what I was gonna say. If it do, if the zombie doesn't hit a major like vein or artery. Yeah, you you're know, you're just you're just gonna wild. turn. You're gonna go into that f- horrible fever state, and then turn. You know, 
would turn into a zombie. So it's, you know, it's just a very, you know, just seems to be a, a very slow and just painful and hor you know, she's like, she's picked the most horrifying way to go mm -hmm. and sort of did it on display too. Sort of, it was almost like, you know, uh, uh, which crazy people do <laughs> sort of put Look, on Damien, displays. I'm doing this for you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah, made, it's, made sure it, everybody can see, especially after that crack of them being judgmental. That made me think, okay, she's doing, uh, you know, some part of this is a little bit of getting back at everybody too, you mm -hmm. know, creepy. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, this was, you know, compared to prior issues, this one was a dense one. This one's, this was hard to synopsize in a minimal amount of time. I know you guys, yeah. you know, I mean, from, and, and it starts out as a kind of sort of, uh, as a nice, you know, day in the life type issue. And it ends up with this horrific death of one of these people, you know, well, not really a death, even a horrific scene of this person committing suicide. And, you know, it's, it's going to be great that as soon as you get a bite, you're dead, but you don't know. Yeah. You yeah. don't know how long it's going to be at this point, <laughs> but it's a nice, it's a nice kind of melding of the, of the Kirkman sort of day in the life, uh, plot that he does with his with the comics and the the dealing with the zombies as well. They balanced it out really well this time. Well, it's really interesting the zombie that they pick to to bring in, and and it starts with the cover. She looks a lot like Lori. That cover looks like Rick looking at a zombie Lori through the fence, mm -hmm. and even like the clothes, like the hair and the clothes the zombie are uh, is wearing are all very Lori like. So it's just really weird. And, you know, I thought maybe that was a little bit why Rick was disturbed about it. And then I thought, oh, no, that's right. Rick's disturbed because he's absolutely right that it's a bad idea. Yes. Yeah, this, this is a terrible idea. And, and to We've be all fair. Seen Day of the Dead, you know. <laughs> well, to be fair, Alice has a point. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. no one is asking, you know, what caused this. They're in they're in complete and utter survival mode. You know, they're just trying to live day to day. They're entrenched at the moment and have, you know, a certain level of safety uh, because, you know, there is like concrete and stuff keeping the zombies out as well as the fence, as well as the people like, you know, shooting them. But at the same time, you know, a more scientific mind and she's barely a scientist. She's right. barely a doctor. But, you know just just the idea like it, to her it would probably make for oh it makes perfect sense we're just you have to we're well, just gonna and, study and, these and, things and understanding the enemy too well and it's a way to sort of uh to parallel the fact that they're getting comfortable in the situation at the prison that now that they're getting comfortable with this they want to try and return to life prior mm -hmm. that they had prior to this and you know try and rather than just be in survivalist mode try and understand try and grant to the root knowledge of, of all this yeah yeah what the hell caused this basically mm -hmm. i was when i first read this i was like oh we're gonna go into a day of the dead bub situation you know here with a, yeah. a captive guinea Later. pig zombie i love uh, it when lex Luthor turns into a zombie <laughs> the guy that played bub in in day of the dead played lex Luthor on seasons two three and four of superboy oh wow so yeah, Sherman Howard, and he does all these horror com conventions now, and and now a bunch of people are coming up and asking about Superboy too. So it's an easy way to find him. <laughs> so I yeah, I would have thought he would have been older older than that, but then again, he was in so much zombie makeup. Well, that he was he uh, been he, like twenty years old then, or you know. Well, he was he was kind of like in his late thirties, early forties in Superboy. So yeah, that oh, okay. That about that the timeline works, is what I'm saying. No, this was a this was I have to agree it starts out as the the typical downtime issue where we're trying to figure out, you know, where everyone's, you know, just, you know, going along, we're 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 taking the usual Kirkman time with with every with the characters and everything. Yeah, but he's still up tension slowly. Yeah. And... Yeah, there's no real major conflict, but there's those little underlying things that are going through people's head. Rick thinks everyone's, you know, fucking crazy for wanting to, you know, keep this thing 
as like almost a pet, really, you know, or a lab rat, I guess would be Mascot. better. Yeah, it's, it's you know, and 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 to and it's never said, and so it was probably never uh, Kirkman's intention. But to me, it all it always kind of looked like, you know, the freaking warden kept his daughter chained up like this, and the people in that town kept you right. know kept zombies chained up. Now we're doing it. And even though there's more of a scientific, like, you know, like, well, I got a reason that I'm doing this, you know, for, for, for what's her name. Right. It's not bread and circuses. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, it's just really neat to me to see it play out the way it did. Um, And just that ending. And to think, you know, again, I'm, you know, we were kind of talking about it. What a painful way to go, <laughs> to be mm-hmm. just 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 have somebody basically eat you to death. Well, somebody and... who smells like rotten meat, you know. Yeah. I mean, it must just the smell of zombies must be just horrifying, you know. And to get right in there and like, here you go, sink yeah. that nice dental work in there. Yeah, and you kind of think, you know, the zombie probably uh, body parts decomposing doesn't have. You know all their teeth it's going to be difficult for them to you know I, you know coming from the clinical aspect of it it's going to be difficult for them to rip into where it looks like in the comic uh into like her throat or the lower part of her throat and the upper part of her chest you know that's going to be kind of difficult to rip into especially you know with you know decomposing teeth and all that it's but yeah it is a really creepy scene and Nasty. it's a horrible uh, you've got to imagine that it's going to be a horrible way to die yeah it, it, well i mean it set the scene for the next comic <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> so jesus christ that's gonna be on you know just uh, where do you start from from at that point you know so mm-hmm. it, it um i thought it, it, the first time i read this i thought the um the, the whole storyline with Dale feeling, you know, inadequate with Andrea was a little bit overplayed because Dale just seemed to have such a, you know, confidence and confidence in his relationship with Andrea. But then I'm thinking, well, you know, if it takes getting one leg cut off to knock you down enough to where you're feeling a little, you know, weak with your self-esteem that makes sense <laughs> I'll, I'll give him i'll give him that you know well he probably felt that way to begin with i mean let's i mean i'm not i'm not it saying had to be that... in there somewhere but yeah I, it took taking his leg off to make him feel like to the point of where he's sort of addressing you know addressing it out loud you know is something that he can't just knock down you know i'm sure it came up before in his mind but he'd be like ah oh, no you know i mean if if she didn't want to be with me she wouldn't be with it you know and would figure it well, out but it could also be, you know, in, in a sort of lesser way, the sort of, you know, seven stages of, uh, or the grief. five, the five stages of grief, and he's going through that, mm-hmm. you know, and feeling inadequate because he's he's suffered a loss. Yes, it's not a loss of a of a relative or a loved one, but it's a loss to him, and this is causing all these, you know, feelings of grief. To I would to grieve the loss it. of one of my legs for sure. Oh yeah. Especially during a zombie apocalypse, yes. <laughs> that would definitely. I, I, I kind of uh, need that. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be really hard to that. run away from these things now. Uh-huh. I mean, now I don't have one to cut off and throw at them when they, you know, when they're coming for <laughs> me. So, I I just thought the panel with um, you know, with them playing basketball and and I'm I'm uh, trying to cut to the exact shot, but I I'm to see who's, but it's like Tyrese and Andrea playing. And it's like a combination of their two legs. Right between their legs, there sits Dale. You know, his face cast in shadow and the one stumpy leg sitting, you know, and both both crutches dramatically on either side of him, you know, scowling. It's mm-hmm. it's just so it's 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 kinda overwrought, you know, but in a in a good way, in in the way that like Kirkman can get away with. But it's just so funny. There he is positioned in between their legs. Yeah, well, it, it basketball help them, days are over. It doesn't help in the panel above that you know, Tyrese is shirtless and in shorts, and you know Andrea is in her little tied-up you know 
their midriff thing and they're looking really hypersexualized, you know, sweaty coming and, at each other. Yeah, sweaty and getting sweaty and physical. It, you know, Let's it doesn't get physical. Uh, <laughs> it's not a Walking Dead Wednesday without some singing. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I could have chosen a better song, like, you know, Back no, That Ass Up or something, so. No, physical <laughs> is far better, trust me. Far better. <laughs> I'll take your I'll take your word for that. Whatever <laughs> Olivia Newton John you can work in, I guess go ahead and uh, and do it. But I mean, the, the, this one had just a lot of of you know comic book symbolism in it. Like uh, like you mentioned in the synopsis with uh, Maggie and Glenn with the crib, you know the box of the crib is positioned right over their heads as yep. they as they're talking after sex. You know, it's just. It's just such a, it's just like, this is what's on these people's minds. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that, that was great that, you know, Glenn's only concern is, you know, do people think that we're having sex? Well, you're married. <laughs> Obviously, they think you're having sex. But, you know, Maggie's concern is, you know, are we going to have a baby? And, of course, Glenn sort of being the Rick-like pra pragmatist, it's like, why would we bring a baby into this world? And it's it, it, honey. I love you, and uh, I'm really glad we found each other. You know yeah. these dire situations. But are you fucking crazy? Exactly. I mean, with 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 Rick and Lori, it was it was inevitable. It was something that they couldn't control, and and it wasn't was, Rick's fault. Yeah. Well, well, whoops. We, that's right. <laughs> yeah. We kind we kind of we. It's kind of known that it probably wasn't Rick's but that doesn't matter it's something they're dealing with 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 Glenn and Maggie they are getting the chance to choose whether or not and it, you know the whole idea it's a, it's a really great it's really great that they try and approach that and try and approach the idea of would it be a good thing now that we're settled here to bring a baby into the world this is why I'm not married because I'd probably end up out in the prison equivalent of the couch that night. But I would be like, let's just watch and see how it works out with Rick and the baby for a year or two before we decide on a baby and see if it gets munched, you know. And and yeah. uh, that's that that would be what I'd say. And then off to the off to the couch with me. I think what they should, if I was in that time and I was going to have babies. I'd just make some sort of version of a hamster ball for for a baby, you know. <laughs> it's something that you can put in that's really padded so that, like, if you're in some sort of zombie fight, you could take the baby and just fling it, just roll it along the ground past the zombies and run past them like football players and go recover the baby. And if they get their hands on the baby, they're just going to drool all over the outside <laughs> edges of it and stuff, you know. So basically I'm seeing baby Pokemon, essentially. Yeah. These little baby Pokeballs that you throw at the They'd zombies. Maybe like a combination of a Pokeball and Superman's, <laughs> you know, transport to Earth, you know, just a sort of little thing, you know. You, go, you would be the I'm best. I'm going to be the ever. very best. No one else before. He's <laughs> uh, got, got like a year's supply of baby food in there. And, you know, and if you want to get real fancy, we'll put tape recorders going. My son. <laughs> you eat me and I'll eat you, Pokemon. <laughs> Here, quick call up Hope. See if she can make it on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, we're uh, we're talking about one of the most horrifying uh, Walking Dead comics to date, and we need you we need on you here to, to sing talk the Pokemon. Pokemon. Theme. <laughs> <laughs> we, need, we need we need a Pokemon expert at this point, <laughs> and I think that might be the only time we may get to reference Pokemon during the Walking Dead. Uh, we had oh, to do it when well, Scott it comes wasn't up here. So often. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I swear it's a final time. That's the final time we bring up Pokemon during The Walking Dead. But it just comes up so naturally. <laughs> the the other thing that I liked was uh, when they're out hunting for the uh, when they're out hunting for the zombie for Alice, is the discussion that Herschel and Maggie have. Yes. Uh, about uh, the whole idea of this obviously 
disproves anything that the Bible has said. And I'm not wanting to get into a big religious discussion, you know, whether or not the Bible is right or wrong. But it's it's no, interesting. Those always that... go well. So let's do it. <laughs> well, okay, if you really. No, I'm no. just kidding. I'm 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 lying. Just I want to say. But well. but I I like that Kirkman is approaching this in the in the uh, book, and that he's he he's giving both sides of it, and he's making Herschel, who's obviously a very uh, a man of faith you know have to look at what's going on around him and see if he still has his faith and it's a nice it's nice that kirkman you know puts the father and the daughter who are diametrically opposed to that and gives equal time to their opinions i I really like that the fact that they did that in this episode I actually, I actually, as an atheist, I still think a, a zombie apocalypse would actually pay, would actually, yeah, back up a lot of the, you know, it, it would, it was a, a true zombie apocalypse like that happened in here. I'd be going, okay, maybe, you know, the Bible was a little, you know, got a little, you know, we've been misinterpreting a little bit about the dead walking and the resurrection and all that, but, you know. Maybe whoever the you know the prophets were didn't get it quite right, but maybe this lends some. Cre- I, well, I I don't see it as being something like that would be like oh that's it game over there there is no credence to well, that. To 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 play the other side of the argument though, uh, let's be fair. There are people out there that are. I'm going to be very careful on how I say this because I don't want it to come off as offensive because it's not. There are people that use the Bible and religion to justify everything anyways. Mm-hmm. Right. Like they'll see it in there no matter what. It's just right. like, you know, it's just like, you know, well, it, it, you said it was going to rain today and it didn't rain today. Well, if you do this and if you look at it this way, then I was still right. So he's still seeing what he wants to see you know he saw it before he's going to see it again well and he even mentions that he even mentions that you know maybe this isn't what was put forth in the bible but but you it know, could be this it, it, yeah. it could be and yeah it, it, I, I i i agree with you you know that he is basically taking the situation and working it to fit his uh belief system but you know i liked it simply because that they actually paid service to it and they gave you know both sides of it and didn't it wasn't just you know, a poo-pooing of either of yeah. either point of view yeah. you know it was it was more of a natural conversation and you know and then there's a dynamic of you know she's his daughter too so there's there's a little bit of that and and you can see everybody else just going like i ain't touching this yeah. <laughs> i'm not getting involved in and this, yeah, I'm shooting zombies, la la la. Ooh, wow, <laughs> look at that zombie! Yeah, that I one, that, could... that head exploded real good. Yeah, that was great. Uh, it's, it's just like the scene in planes, trains, and automobiles when they realize it's not <laughs> <Yeah>. a pillow, <laughs> and they're wanting to talk about the bears. Oh, how about them bears? Yeah, them bears. But I, I'm just saying, like, and, and it's funny. Before we did the show, we were talking about uh, it was you, Michael, who said you just saw religious, right? Was it? Mm-hmm. Was, and. Uh, and there, I, I believe it's a scene in Religious where there was a guy who was talking about miracles that happened. And one of the miracles that happened with him was he thought, like, it should rain. And he stuck his hand out the window and it started raining. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, that's really shoehorning it. I think the, the zombie putting that into your belief system is way less of a reach <laughs> than a lot of people do. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It, it's still it's still sort of shoehorning it into your va- belief system, but as far as you know, it would be like an alien invasion too. You could totally work a, an alien invasion into some sort of biblical, you know. As well, if you look at this passage, it says this, and obviously and they came were from the sky they were talking with fire about, and, yeah. and and all that. Uh, you, you know, know it, rains it's, of fire and, and it's stuff like, like people that. on the freaking quatrains of uh, Nostradamus. Uh. It's just like you know. And 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 Penn Jillette had a great thing to say about that. It's like you know if if somebody could see the future and did it and and did it like Nostradamus, what an asshole! Because basically, instead of telling people this is what's going to happen, you're making it all like vague and stuff. I'm going to make it. I'm going to put it in code so you have to figure it out. How about that, smart asses? Yeah. yeah it's just like, but fuck you. I, I guess I guess my point is, you know, 
I'll argue with people who try to shoehorn like religious into ridiculous things, but if it comes down to a point of alien invasion or zombie apocalypse, I'm gonna give a lot of people a lot more slack to theorize <laughs> with their theories of <laughs> of how it happened. If if something indeed like that happens, or if you know we're invaded by the reptilians or whatever, then I'll then I I, I won't want to argue you know as much with people who wanna blame it on Jesus or whatever I'll be like okay well I mean it's an alien invasion we might as well theorize <laughs> at this point and, your, uh, your theory works as better as anybody yeah, nothing like this guess, has ever happened so. literally your guess is as good as mine at this point so I'm not going to argue <laughs> and and but you're but we've been noticing in the last few issues and, and months of their lives that Herschel has been he's been getting worn down a little bit and is starting to you know mellow out with the non-religiosity of those around him you know and the and the, and things not quite working out like he <laughs> he would like them to you know he's starting to to almost lighten up a little bit you know yeah. as far as well, I think that kind of came in, you know, when, uh, when you know, he basically accepted Glenn yeah. and, and Maggie being together and getting married. And um, did he already, I'm trying to remember in the comic, they already, overs he oversaw the marriage. Yes. That was just a few issues back, wasn't it? And yeah. he also said right? something to the effect of, look, I'm not stupid. I know you've been sleeping with each other. And, you know, but whereas before a zombie apocalypse, he probably would have had the shotgun at the door when Glenn showed up if he mm -hmm. knew that Maggie was and he were fooling around. So, But at the same time, uh, w with Herschel and him mellowing, you almost don't want someone in that position to lose their faith because it's part of who they were before. Mm -hmm. And you may disagree with it and you may argue and you may find it annoying, but, like, the moment they start giving up on that is the moment they start giving up on living in and of itself. And you don't want him to do that. So seeing him argue his faith was actually a good sign for the character's mental health. Right. He hasn't given up on it, but he's taking it from a much... He, he's forced into taking it from a much yeah. more pragmatic point of view where mm -hmm. he's just like, look, I, I'm surrounded by heathens and I have to shoot people in the head to survive all the time. You know, people that he was thinking of as people just a little while ago. Well, yeah, because you know? he didn't want him to kill. The, it's it's like Rick wanted to wipe everybody out in that barn. Mm -hmm. He's like, no, 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 no. Those are my. Those are this and that, and the other. And Rick's like, no, they're they're dead. <laughs> so yeah. we need to take care of this. But so it, he has made some strides, but at the same time, you know, it's it, it's nice to see the fight still in him. Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't it, it it wouldn't work if all the characters had the same mindset had the same mindset that this is all just clinical and everything it's it's good that they have one person in there at least who is a person of faith and who has you know if you even if you want to call it a sort of simplified version of, or or a simplistic uh, you know opinion of what's going on you've got to have a person in there that sort of counterbalances the very ominous realistic one with the sort right. of spiritual feeling which Herschel is doing well, if you had, like, you know, I, I get the feeling that if, uh, and we'll find out, like, later on when we meet more other other groups of people, you know, during this, you know, we've met Woodbury, which is sort of more like a, a town or something, but, like, if you have a roving group of people in this situation that are all of the same mindset, I think that's when you get the, you know, you would end mm -hmm. up getting the really terribly you know, psychopathic sort of stuff happening where, you know, there's nobody to check anybody else on anything. Yeah, you want checks and balances yeah. in right. this situation. You want yeah. you want to have the one person going, dude, WTF. Or you're going to end up as a band of of amoral marauders, you know. Yeah. Just, you're going you're gonna to end up, you know, yeah, just doing anything. You're, 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 you're going to end up with a group of people that are going to be like, you know, it's okay to rape all these women and children. Yeah, because, I ain't going you know, to say any, I ain't going to say anything. Are you going to say anything? No, all I'm saying is, you know, me first, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, yeah. Like, and yeah. that's when you run into it, trouble, it's good, yeah. It, it's good that the group has has a moral center 
you know, whether it be, you know, Dale or Herschel or whatever, to sort of, you know, be a counterbalance to the people who are wanting to just go in and destroy and, and you know, lay waste everything. And this group is, is still all over the place, and that's even better because it's not like, say, you could, if you wanted to become an, uh, a roving horde, you couldn't just, like, go and shoot Rick. You know, you couldn't go, like, yeah, it's, shoot it's Rick while he was sleeping, and then everybody else would fall in line. You you would have, you know, it's a cohesive group of different people, so it's, very, you know, very, a lot stronger for that. That's why they're, like, living in a prison now and get and eating their own tomatoes. And in, a, and in a, a strictly dramatic sense, I mean, you know, bare bones getting down to the, you know, the, the actual writing of the of the piece you don't want all your characters to have the same motivations right because then you have no conflict within the group so if you want to get all like you know you know uh creative writing 101 you know it's it's man versus you know man you know in in, in the group and then that group versus the unknown so and yeah well there's never been a shortage of conflict <laughs> Or <laughs> conflicting personalities in this comic, that's for sure. From and that's and I think that's why it's it's so good, and I think it. that's why yeah. why people respond to it so much is because there would be, and I hate saying this because it's like you know if this really happened, but at the end of the day that there you know you would have those people that were like pretty much you know we're all going to be there's going to be a hive mind basically you know running the show and you know they are all going to be the marauding band of scumbags but you know i think more often than not it would be a group of people just coming together at the beginning at this stage of it anyways right that are that are basically just trying to eke out this new existence and at the same time hold on to you know what they what their belief structure was before but also trying to come to grips with what's going on right now so it's just like you know and what what is life like in this new world so it, it, it it's why i think that the central drama of the piece you know any any zombie fiction um especially these days you know, I think in the '60s and '70s and '80s, you know, when when it was, you know, Basically racism, yeah, yeah, racism and commercialism and, and 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 whatever you want to call, you know, being against the military that Day of the Dead could be seen as. Um, I I really think that much like nuclear war films, uh, or alien invasion films of the '50s were about the fear of communism or the fear of, you know, being taken over, I think these days zombie fiction is very much the fear of societal breakdown. Oh, yeah. Because oh, we, sure. are, we are so dependent on our cars and on our cell phones and on this thing we're talking on right now for exactly. our day-to-day -day lives that if that... I, I mean, I, I don't think it would be like the trigger effect and complete anarchy within two weeks. People wouldn't jump out of their houses and start running yeah. through the street, streets screaming and you know, I, shooting I, and killing. I, I think I actually think rural areas will be set up better than that because they're used to being self-sufficient, you know, being self-sufficient. It's not like if all the phones went out and the electricity went out that the cops couldn't figure out a way to 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 get up all their their people to keep the peace and then it wouldn't turn into like freaking mad max you know like overnight right. there's the potential for that but here there is there are no cops there are there is nothing because the the, the zombie apocalypse in and of itself wiped all of that out so I, I think that's why people i think that's why zombies really haven't gone away in terms of popularity, because basically I think they're five years past their shelf life at this point as being a fad. Yes, if not more. I mean, when did Shaun of the Dead come out? Uh, that Shaun was like 2004, 90. and Dawn of right. the Dead was 2004. Right. And, and, but Shaun of the Dead, to me, was almost kind of like where it reached that point. It had already reached the point of like 
over the topness with I'm trying to remember the name of that Brain Dead was it the Peter Jackson movie yeah. where you know where you're taking out zombies with a lawnmower and stuff, <laughs> and then by Shaun of the Dead to the point of post meta humor mixed even with a little bit of horror you know but to the point of where all right we're gonna break this genre apart and you know and always alongside of that is the schlock zombie the zombies that the movies that are just like the el cheapo like there's a lot of zombies outside of the house and they eat a lot of people yeah, movies. The, the, like zombies the, on a plane the ones made by people who are really into special effects and it's basically the, the, a, a gore movie what the the night of the living dead the ones that they did that um, Dan O'Bannon did in the 90s or late 80s, early 90s. <clears throat> Am I thinking of the right one? Well, do, the the remake of Night of the Living Dead well, no, was uh, no Return Tom of the, I'm thinking Return of the Oh, Living Return Dead. of the Living Dead. Yeah. yeah. Those were all actually, just... you're right. That was actually the first uh, sort of meta. You're right. That, was, that did uh, predate uh, Shaun of the Dead by a, a long time, but you know, yeah, it's they've just sort of. I don't think they'll ever go bad. Go bad. <laughs> That's good. Shelf life and go bad, and um, because the, the literally, and they always say it in zombie movies. They're us, you know. They're they're and they're they're a mirror that you can cast all any kind of metaphor onto. You know, of. Of whatever it is, they're the lurking. They're, they're the lurking specter of death, you know, and and uh, they're that. There's something that's like, ah, eh, you know, it's sort of scattered around, and it's not that deadly one on one. But all of a sudden, you know, when you least expect it, it could be surrounding you, and you're done. And and that's just so you, that can be transposed into whatever kind of societal you know trauma that we're undergoing or you know underlying you know societal fears that we have you can always put it into zombies and you know i mean that's why george romero like tries to make every zombie movie as some kind of metaphor for you know societal uh commentary and stuff because it's so easy because it fits Mm -hmm. into any kind of fear of society going away and because when society goes away our worst enemy is going to be ourselves you know, it's it, when it reaches a point of like, if there was a societal collapse that reached a point of mass starvation, say in the United States, you know, the the zombies would be starving people who were, you know, maybe even cannibalistic, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it just sort of it's yeah, it's just such a fear of death. And then the fear that like death isn't even the end for you. You're gonna you're gonna die. You're gonna get chewed to death, and then you're gonna walk the earth to chew people to death. You know, yeah. it just it just works. It creeps you out, no no matter what's going on. So you can apply it to whatever whatever's going on. You know, I don't think anybody's really tried to apply it to like say. 9/11 or any of the like Iraq wars or stuff like that cuz it's kind of too soon right now. Well, mm-hmm. that and it really doesn't fit. Right, right. Um, you know, when, not zombies and, and and war really don't work well together because there's not how do I want to say I know there's a reason that I have in my head. It's just not popping forward as fast as I would like it because, well, you know, like societal breakdown won't, it'll be our fault, but it won't be like, a, there won't be probably like a direct cause and effect there. Right. It's right. not like we're going to do it to ourselves on purpose. Whereas at the end of the day, we choose to go to war. The reasoning may present itself in a manner that, you know, we don't, we feel we don't have a choice but end of the day, somebody's, you know, making the choice to, to, to start popping caps on a grand level. So, or 9-11, that's a terrorist attack. Yes, that's something that is done to us. But it's, I hate to say this because it's going to sound terrible. As horrific as those attacks were, they were localized. Right. You know, they were New York, mm-hmm. the Pentagon, and New York, and it Pennsylvania. Didn't all over the country. It didn't yeah. ha- happen in every state capital and stuff like that. I mean, there was a potential that it could have, 
in which case maybe the comparison would be okay but zombie apocalypse is everything that is the world breaking down no place safe unless there's a place without people and you know if you're a person you're in a place with people anyway (laughs) you know for the most part you know i'm sure there's a few indiana jones types out in the jungle somewhere who will be okay until they run into like a native tribe or something yeah but uh, you know a tribe of pygmy zombies or something but (laughs) could happen could happen i'm surprised someone hasn't made a comic book about it already i I am not ruling the idea out (laughs) i'm surprised there hasn't been a a zombie movie set in darkest africa like you're a a tarzan zombie mashup or or (laughs) something holy shit that would be awesome there were just zombies in clone in the clone wars cartoon so everybody love everybody love the zombies hey the Italians, especially the love of the zombies. Oh yeah, but um, I, I I've always dug end of the world movies. So zombies, zombies, and Mad Max style movies. I've always have always had a special place in my imagination. Which is funny because I love the uh, not that maybe I don't. I guess idealized future isn't a good phrase, but you know the the uh, optimistic view of the future. I love those movies too. But I like them to be the Star Trek, either optimistic or you know Mad Max, completely zombies, or or, yeah, just complete breakdown. I I love both of those movies, both of those, you know, ideas at the same time. Although I think it's unfortunate that the zombie Mad Max future is is sort of more what everybody pictures. (laughs) There's a lot of people. You know, in in their hipster sort of way, and I'm not saying it's all hipsters because everybody does it, but a lot of people, you know, jokingly talk about, you know, when the when the zombie apocalypse comes, <laughs> you know, as 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 if that's what they, you know, it, the future is going to be some sort of zombie apocalypse. I don't know what's happening in the future, but I know I'm going to be on my roof shooting <laughs> at, at shambling mobs coming to my house, whether they're zombies or homeless people or what. I don't know what it's what it's going to be, but I think, I just have a feeling that's where we're going. Well, that's a beautiful way to end the episode, I would think. Mountain Let's, let's stock up. Let's, <laughs> let's stock up on ammunition so we can shoot the people from the roofs of our houses. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going, but I know I'm going to be shooting someone. <laughs> Somebody's going to die, and that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Better it's a zombie, but I'll take what I can get. Ah. <laughs> uh. All those people who, who, you know, buy the zombie survival guide and stuff, they're all, if there was a zombie apocalypse, they would pee their pants and just go into the basement like everybody else. Oh. You know, I, but I no, have. But no, Chris, it would be that one guy that's been prepared for it this entire time, and he'd be the hero of the piece. <laughs> yeah. Uh, finally, I get to leave mom's apartment and use my <laughs> special zombie suit. I. I actually have the the Max Brooks Zombie Survival Guide. It's it's a fun read. Oh a, yeah, yeah. I'm not but dissonant. you know, and it, it seems practical, but you know, being written by the son of Mel Brooks, he's he's got to be yucking it up. You know, as, as every time he hits a key on the on the keyboard, he's got to be going. People are buying this shit. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> are so buying this shit, and I don't know jack all about it. Who does really when it comes right down? Yeah, to yeah. It? <laughs> who, who's the yeah. expert on this? Who who, who lived through it? Basically, the, the only guy I can think of is the guy who wrote the um, um, it was made into a Wes Craven movie. Uh, oh, the, the Serpent and the Rainbow. Serpent and the Rainbow. Yes, yes. He, you know, I don't think he actually did get a snoot full of zombie pufferfish stuff like in the movie but you yeah, know yeah that was all that was all medicinal stuff that didn't really turn you into a zombie it just sort of put you in a coma <laughs> put you in a zombie state and believe me <laughs> i'm all too familiar with that <laughs> if anybody understands what it's like to be in a zombie state in a chemical me. zombie state chris honeywell all right now there's a good outro <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
you ever find yourself going to Amazon.com and uh, buying some record or movie or some stupid thing that two true freaks have been talking about so that you can catch up on it or you've been reminded of it or something? Well, now, how about this? Instead of going to Amazon.com, go to twotruefreaks.libsyn.com and follow our link to Amazon.com. When you do that, if you buy something over at Amazon, we get a little cut out of it, which is awesome because we love money and it won't cost you a thing. You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook, too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook, too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts, for more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two, Two True, True Freaks. Freaks. And this is your Uncle Don saying good night. Good night, little kids. Good night. We're off? Good. Well, that ought to hold the little bastards. If it was the 90s, there would have been that little needle scratch. Yeah. Wait a minute. And then different music would have started. <laughs> I'm... Uh, <laughs> In a world where I feel good. Hey, now you're a rock star. Get your game on. That's late nineties. Oh wow. Yeah. Used to death. Okay. I'll I'll uh I'll bring us in. Okay. Holla. I will holler. I'm gonna I'm gonna holler. I'm going to Walking Dead Holler, where we got zombies set up from left to right. Come on and knock them down with a ball. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know what the hell that was. Sean, you want to go grab a beer or something? I, uh... <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm, Too much LDS in the 60s. Sorry, guys. Wow. <laughs> it got me on talking on drug experiences. All right. Hello and welcome back to the Walking Dead Wednesday. This is Walking Dead Wednesday, God, number four, I think. Hey, Tom, it's Bob from the office down the hall. Great. Good to see you, buddy. How have you been? Things 